with uh, the great I am. So it's part five, and uh, this this message is really about faith. It's about faith. It's about seeing God for who He is. It's about realizing that He is the same everywhere. And it's sort of the the birthplace of this message was after coming back from Brazil, experiencing the power of God there, and just realizing. So, so realizing coming back from Brazil. That, that, that God is almighty, He's all-powerful, He's greater than we can imagine. And so I was thinking, of, last weekend I was listening to a guy called David Hogan. So he was sharing stories of the incredible things that God has been doing through his ministry. So he's an American that uh, started a church in Mexico around 30 plus years ago. Oh, 40 years ago actually. And... Uh, so he's just sharing the stories of what God has been doing and his mind-boggling stuff that's been happening. For instance, through their ministry, more than 500 people have been raised from the dead. 500. 500. Personally, his own life, he's, he's raised more than 30 people from the dead. So he shares of, in the midst of ministry, in a church like, so he's preaching and then suddenly a mom comes with a little dead baby in a blanket. He said that happened seven times. Dead baby, covered in blankets, into the service, hands the baby over to him type of thing, prays over the baby. Within one or two hours, the baby breathes again and is healed or resurrected from the dead. Ah, Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's who our God is. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So, surely if the great... I am the Lion of Judah is present, things happen. The dead are raised. And so he shares the story. One of the stories is he was in Argentina, church of 3,000 plus people. He said there was a lady there in a wheelchair. She was mute, she was deaf, she was blind, she had osteoporosis, so her whole body was like she was crippled in that sense. She was in a wheelchair, and she also had like a hump back. So he said she looked ugly. She looked terrible. And he says that something profound happened. Like, he says that the people saw an angel appearing on stage. So some people took photos, and they just saw like fire in the form of an angel. And the next moment, this lady gets up out of the wheelchair by her own, and she starts walking, trying to get to the front, to the stage area. And so she's still blind, so people are like helping her to get to the stage. And she comes to the front of the stage area, and she's just standing and looking up, but blind. And then he says, the next moment, her eyes open up, and she sees. Then her ears open up, and she hears. And her mouth opens, and she starts shouting, Jesus! Jesus! The humpback disappears and the whole body is healed and she stands up straight. Because God is present. The great I am. He says more than 200 cripples were healed that night with no one praying for them. Because God was present. The great I am. The lion of Judah. Present. You know, so this has been stirring in my heart. I'm saying, God, that's what I want. I don't want empty, dry Church, you see, without God's presence, Christianity is reduced to a set of rules. 
And those rules do not bring life. And so I want to, I, I believe God is stirring this in us to pursue His presence. To pursue Him. Because when He is present, things change. Lives are changed. We are changed. And so, so uh, uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Fred May from, from Shepherd Stellenbosch, the founder of the church, he, he spoke about presence. And I want to stir that in us to pursue his presence. And that's what we've been starting to do now. Even in Southernwood, we, every Tuesday evening at 6, we pray together, then Juliana Court. And we're doing what we call soaking prayer. So it's not just praying for something out there. It's more like, God, we're hungry and thirsty for you. Come. Let your presence come upon us. Come, fill us. And this past Tuesday rocked. It was like we could sense something's, something is different here right now. Something is different. Something has changed. God's presence has moved in more tangibly. Yes, He is everywhere, but He's not everywhere tangibly. And so I want to stir this in our hearts a hunger and a thirst for more of God. Let's say it I'm thirsty. Thirsty. In his presence, we're changed. And I know for some of us, you've never experienced this. I'm talking about the presence of God, and you're like, I don't really know what you're talking about. But when you've tasted his presence, you know, and you want more. It transcends every other area of, of one's life. When you have tasted God, you realize this is what I want, this is what I'm longing for, this is where I want to live. So I believe this is what God is calling us to. I was, I was I shared with the guys as well, but I, was, I, was, I read an article of a guy in uh, the northern parts of uh, South America, in Colombia, Colombia. And uh, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, he was um, planting a church, there 50, 60 people, and nothing was happening. He was preaching the gospel, and nothing was happening. It was just not working, and he was like crying out to God, God, I need help. And then the Lord told him, stop complaining and pursue my presence. And then he started to seek. Then he started to pray. Then he started to like spend time with God continuously. He says, then when he then went to church, then things shifted. He said, at sometimes the presence of God was so tangible in church that the whole church was on the floor. People could, the worship team was on the floor. They couldn't worship. 20, 20 years later, they're filling stadiums with 40,000 people. Thousands upon thousands coming to Christ and being healed. Miracles happening continuously. Why? Presence. 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 So you have issues in your life or you have trust in God for breakthrough. What do you need to do? Pursue His presence. Because when He is present, things change. When He is present, you change. When He is present, you come alive. And that's what God's calling us to. And such a big part of churchianity has given Jesus a bad name. Because it's dry and boring and empty, and I want nothing to do with that. Jesus, I want you. I want you present. I want you in my life. I want you in my God, I'm so thirsty for more of you. So thirsty for more of you. You know, so, so I want to stir this in you tonight. To pursue the Lord's presence. Okay, so I want to take you to... A scripture in a moment, but it, it basically 
the theme right through scripture from the beginning to the end is presence. In Genesis chapter 3, God wanted to be with Adam and Eve. He walked with them in the garden. He wanted to be present. Later on, Moses came. God said, build me a tabernacle. What? Build me a dwelling place so I can be with my children. Build me an environment where I can be in my fullness. And where, where does it end? The new Jerusalem. The glory of God filling the whole city that they say they, they, they no longer needed the sun or the moon because God himself was the glory, the light, the source of everything. That's what we're going to. Amen. So, so there's this, this prophet Ezekiel, amazing, deep, very deep guy. Deep prophet. The deepest of the bunch. He had these amazing and God encounters. And in Ezekiel 47, he saw a river of life. The second last chapter of the book. He saw a river of life flowing from the throne of God. And the, and the, and the angel brought him through ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, until he had to swim. And so the angel was asking him, son of man, have you seen this? Like, are you aware? Are you aware there's a river of life? And if you get into this river of life, representing God's presence, you are transformed the deeper you go into his presence. So that's for an individual. So he was in, on his own going into this river. But now that's Ezekiel 47, and it's setting up the scene for Ezekiel 48. And then the last verse of the book, which says the following. For Ezekiel 48, 35, it says, All the way around this, the city, it's describing a city, the new Jerusalem. All the way around shall be 18,000 cubits. It's the circumference of the city. And then he says, And the name of the city from that day shall be, The Lord is there. The city is called the Lord is there. And the Hebrew is Jehovah Shammah. It is an aspect of who God is. He says, I am the great I am. I am healer. I am deliverer. I am savior. I am provider. I am. This is who I am. I can't help myself. This is just who I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this because this, this is who I am. I can't help myself. But one of his redemptive names is Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is there. Where? There. Where? Here. <laughs> He's everywhere. He wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. He wants to be in your room at home. He wants to fill you even as you sleep. He wants to surround you. He, when, you when you get up in the morning, he, He's there. He's wanting to spend time with you. He's like a loving dad that's longing to spend time with you. Just waiting for you to respond. And so the scripture represents a future reality. The one day. But I believe it gives us a glimpse of we can experience some of that now. So what if, what if East London could be known as the place where people say God is there? What if the body of Christ in his land, what if our church is known for people who would say, God is there. You know, God, go there. God's there. Those people are so hungry for Jesus. He's in their midst. When they worship, God comes. God is there. 
But it begins with every one of us. Even as individually going through that river, it sets us up for a community filled with the presence of God. So I know the key for this church, I need to go deeper into God's presence. And then the key for this church is you need to go deeper into God's presence. And then we can begin to overflow his life. Then we can start to release his life to those around us. You see, but the enemy has is, is, is tricked us. And this is what I want to speak about also. I want to bring this into the message tonight. I was listening, watching a, a series called um, The Conqueror Series. It's a new DVD series that they brought out in the, in the U.S. A guy, basically an expert on sex addicts. And this whole course is about helping people who battle with sexual addictions, pornography, things like that. I was watching this last night and I was blown away. Like, <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing. It really is really good. And, uh, but it's such an eye-opener to, 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 to hear some scientific facts around sexual addiction and some stats as well. They say basically two-thirds of all Christian men battle with pornography. Two-thirds. Two out of every three. About 30% of women, 35% of ladies, Christian ladies. And so it's, it's, it's huge, the impact it's having on society, on, 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 on the church. You see, if I'm saying, God, I want your presence. God, we want to say East London. The Lord is there. Shofar, the Lord is there. Then pornography can't be there. It's the one or the other. It's either revival or porn. It's not both. You know? And so they were speaking about these things and the effect of pornography. They found that it's, it's literally like a, like, a, like a drug addict. They actually showed some pictures of, of people's brains. So they put, that, put the, the, the heroin addict's brain on the side there, and they put the porn addict's brain next to it. It looks the same. What does this mean? It means that literally part of the brain is gone. It, is, it, has, it has declined because of the addiction. The frontal cortex, the front part of your brain, that is the area of your brain that says to you yes or no to something. It's your, it's your area where your, your higher consciousness is what makes us human, truly, truly human, self-aware. It helps us to, to uh, make decisions like, no, I don't want to do that. Yes, I want to do that. But then in the inside of the brain, the center part of the brain, I um, can't remember the exact name now, the limbic something. Um, it speaks about this... Uh, this is sort of your emotional seat, your, your, the area, your, your, your natural, it's like it's your underlying programming happens from there. It's like you're walking in the forest and the next moment you see a snake and you're like, whoa! And then you look again and you say, oh, it's just a branch, it's not a snake. But before your front part of your brain can make a decision, the other part's already made a decision. <laughs> Step away, it's a snake. And then your, your front part kicks in and you realize, uh, no, no, no it's, just a, it's just a branch. So you can make, okay, no, 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 okay, let's go on. But so what happens with addictions, any form of addiction, sexual addiction or other, any, anything that gives us pleasure, every time you find pleasure in something, whether it be like I told this morning as well, with, a, with a, say the ladies you're watching, 
the chick flick. And there's that moment. Oh, we're crying and we're feeling so good. This is awesome. You know, so there's, there's the, the same thing. That's your pleasure. So, so, so there's like what they call dopamine or other types of, it's literally a drug that's being released into your brain and your brain reminds you, oh, that is awesome. So next time movie shop thingy movie, you want to rent a movie, chick flick, chick flick, chick flick. I want a chick flick. I want that experience again. And you can't even help yourself. It's like, yes. Why am I taking this again? I don't know. But I am. Because something is a deeper part of you that's been programmed that brings pleasure, that brings joy. And we all have that different type. You can be going jogging at the end of the jog or you went in the gym and it's also a form of drug that's released. It's making you feel good. So what they say is basically your brain gets programmed to go through down certain paths. Your brain literally changes, they say. So science has now shown that when it comes to something like, and I, 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 I want to share this because tonight I actually want to remove shame. I want to remove, remove shame from us. Because what, what happens, in a, especially when it comes to sexual sins, there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of stuff. You know, like, so people keep it hidden. And I've been sitting with people over the last few months. People that have committed adultery. People that are badly addicted to porn. Things like that. And the shame is absolutely destructive. So what they say is, When you become addicted to something, whatever it might be, pornography included, the front part of your brain is broken down. And I show these pictures, little like holes or something. It gets broken down to the point that your decision-making center is not as effective as it previously was. So in other words, your, your, your limbic part takes over. So maybe, maybe, maybe you've battled with something, whatever it might be, pornography or any other addiction, and you wonder, why am I doing this? What the heck is going on? Why do I find myself, it's like, I don't have control. And then we start blaming ourselves, and there's shame, and it's just, you you idiot, you this, or I can't believe I'm doing this again. And just the shame and guilt, everything comes upon you. But they say the issue is not a moral issue. Yes, it starts a moral issue. Yes, it just, it, you know, when we do pornography, when we commit sexual sins, it disconnects us from God. It dulls our senses. Yes, it dulls our spiritual senses. Like, can't connect with God. But they say it's not primarily a moral issue. It's a brain problem. You literally have a brain problem. In other words, you don't have the capacity to say no anymore. Even if you wanted to. That's, the, that's what an addict An addict is someone that wants to stop, but they can't. And we need to know this. And we need to give grace to people as well. Because I sit with ladies, you know, where their husbands have messed up and things. And it's like the, the wife feels like, I can't believe you are unfaithful. Am I not good enough? What's wrong with me? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not this enough? And I have to tell the lady, it's got nothing to do with you. You could be the hottest, sexiest woman on the planet. But the guy has a physical problem in his brain. And it's leading him down that path. So I don't know if anybody in this place maybe battles with these things. But I know that when we battle, it disconnects us from God. It brings this shame, this, this guilt upon our hearts and our minds. And then we turn away from God. We run away from God. I want to I remove that. 
And so Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in this case, if you have been addicted to something, whatever it might be, it might even be that, I don't know, chocolate, or I don't know, whatever, you know. But you can't help your silly example. But, you know, you can't help yourself. You literally need mind renewal. Literally, not just figuratively speaking. You need your mind to be restored. New processes. They say it takes a sex addict, porn addict type of thing, two to five years. To reprogram the brain. So why am I saying this? Because I want to set people free. I want to set people free. I want to release hope. And I want to create an environment where there can be absolute transparency, absolute freedom to get our stuff into the light. I want God's presence. If there are hidden stuff in our lives, you will not know God's presence. If you walk in the light... As he is in the light, then you have fellowship. So I just want to encourage you, whatever you might be battling, for male, females, normally different type of things, whatever, whatever you're battling with, God wants to set you free. So I want to take us to Psalm 84. Before I do that, Leviticus 26, verse 11, it speaks about this, this week I felt God say to me, build me a tabernacle where I can dwell in my fullness. Build me a dwelling place where I can dwell in my fullness. That's God's saying to me. Build me a, a tabernacle. It begins with me. It begins with you. And then us. A tabernacle. So Leviticus 26, 11, it says, I will set my tabernacle among you. This is God speaking. This is Old Testament, Old Covenant, the mo- time of Moses. Even as he said to Moses, build me a tabernacle. Then God said, I will set my tabernacle, my dwelling place among you. And my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. I will walk among you. You will be my people. So even the old covenant, which is a shadow of the glorious covenant that we are in right now. The new covenant where we can boldly come before the throne of grace for help in time of need. It's a shadow. And God said, there I'm going to dwell with my people. And he's saying so much more now. I want to dwell with my people. I want to be with my children. Presence. Without God's presence, we become stale and dry and powerless. We lose the life of the church. We lose the life of Christianity, of our walk with God, when he isn't present. It is his presence that causes us to come alive. So Psalm 84. I'm going to break it down, just three parts, three sections of Psalm 84. Go read it at home and read it in the context of God. What does this say about your presence? Okay, so the first key is build me a tabernacle. Tabernacle, build me a tabernacle. So it says there, how lovely is your tabernacle? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, O God of the angel armies? How lovely is your dwelling place? My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrows found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. There's a key. You want to dwell in his presence? Praise him. Praise him. Lift him up. So you just want to take it there from verse 1. So the first one is there, 
God your dwelling place? It's lovely. That's where I want to be. That's what I long for. And it says, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now, what do you call someone whose heart and flesh cries out for something? Soul and body. It's an addict. (laughs) An addict. An addict is someone that's emotionally attached to something, but also physically attached. I need this, I want this, can't help myself. So the psalmist is an addict to the presence of God. You see, if you're not addicted to God's presence, you're going to be addicted to something else. Quotable quote. If you're not addicted to the presence of God, you will be addicted to something else. Whether power, whether your career, whether money, whether possessions, whether whatever. Sex, lust, something is going to be your God. If you're not addicted to His presence. Something else will take God's place. So last week, you know, in this week I prayed with a... An addict, a drug addict guy. What a mission. What a mission. To see him turn. The only solution to his life is he need to get addicted to Christ. He need to replace the other addiction with an addiction for Christ. Within community. Can't do it alone. You cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. You cannot break out of any addiction on your own. You will not break out of your stuff alone. It's not, that's how the world, it's been designed. Like you need something to humble yourself and say, I need help. This is what's happening in my life. I need help. So we need to be addicted to his presence. So if you want to summarize sort of our pursuit, our pursuit is the presence of the king. We want the king of kings to be present. And then there are kingdom principles to help us, to guide us into his presence. You see, but what happens is, for many believers, they they, they reduce Christianity, they reduce the scriptures to a bunch of principles that we want to apply to help ourselves. Because yes, we know. I mean, if you do the word of God, it's going to be good for you. But that's not good enough. The principles are there to point us to his presence. So imagine you're in a forest... You don't know which way. But in the middle of this forest, God's tangible presence resides there. How will you know which way to go to find His presence? You need signs. Signboards. Up, hey, left. Whoop, okay, down this path. And that is what the scriptures is about. Why read the word of God. Why read it? Because it points us to who God is. It reveals to us who he truly is. He's a loving dad that will love you no matter what. No matter what. Doesn't matter what your past looks like. He loves you. So it reveals to us who he is, but it also reveals to us the path into his presence. I want to challenge you for this next season. Read the scriptures differently. Ask yourself, what does this tell me about who God is and how I can enter His presence. The scriptures point to Him. To Him. 
But so many stop there. Oh, nice, nice scripture. Oh, if I do this, I'm going to get more money or this or blessed or going to get blessed. So why? Why do you read the scriptures? Why do you come to church? Why do you do what you do? Is it just for self? So you can benefit. Then you're always going to fall short. But if you do it because you want to know Him, you're going to get truly blessed. You see, if you have the presence of God, you have everything. If you have everything, but not the presence of God, you have nothing. You've got nothing. Nothing. So principles point us to presence. Let's become like a druggie for Jesus. For Jesus. Because I said, otherwise you'll just be addicted to something else. So, so many Christians try to be good people. God has not called us to be good people. He's called us to come into His presence so that He can change us into the image of Christ. You cannot make yourself a good person. It is impossible. Go look at the rest of churchianity. They come to church... They sit, they look at one another, they sing a song, they hear a message, they go home, and everybody accuses them of being hypocrites. And they are. Because you can't do it. You can't do it without a God encounter on the inside that changes you from the inside out. Like, God, I want you. I want you. I want you. It's you I'm after. It's you what I'm longing for. I promise you, that is it. You don't know. There's seven billion people on the face of this earth. They don't know this, but they're actually looking for Jesus. They're looking for His tangible presence, but they don't know it. So they're looking all the wrong places. They're also looking at religion, but religion isn't the answer. His presence is the answer. And if we pursue His presence, we'll do whatever it takes. Because I know any form of pornography, those that disconnects you from Jesus. There's a higher call. So you don't only get free from your addiction, you find Jesus. It's what you're looking for, I promise you. Just feel like you, when you're in his presence, it's like, I want to stay here. I don't want to go anywhere else. That, that's the pursuit. That's the pursuit, that is it. I'm like in a space where I'm like, God, whatever you want, I'll sacrifice anything. I want you. I want your tangible presence. I'm addicted. <laughs> I'm addicted to him. And I know that when I, I'm in his presence, it's not just I that I'm changed. I overflow to change others. You know, like this, when I was in the hospital with this girl, that four-year-old girl that died, that Saturday morning when I walked in there, the dad who doesn't have a relationship with God, he said later to some people that, you know, there was a whole bunch of family there. There was a certain atmosphere in the place. But when, they said, when I walked into that hospital, when I walked into that room, they said the atmosphere changed. Something changed. It wasn't me. There was someone that came with me. Presence. Presence. And there's more. There's more, there's more, there's more. Let's say it, there's more. <laughs> you know, if you want to be a good person, then you're going to not pursue God with all your heart. Because, you, you know, I didn't listen too badly this week. 
That's really boring. Just trying not to sin too badly. But when you're off to presence, there's a never-ending pursuit. I'm going deeper. I'm going deeper. Jesus, I want more. The ultimate is one day when I go to, go to heaven. But in this life, God, I want you. So they did a study, uh, intensive study of 1,000 sex addicts by Dr. Patrick Carter. They found that 70% of the sex addicts came from rigid, disengaged homes. Meaning, rules, but no relationship. And then he said, classic evangelical homes. Christian homes. Christian homes where the parents were afraid that the children might get into some bad stuff, so they would lay down the law. They would lay down the rules. They would be rigid but no relationship. And the result is that those young people never personalized their relationship with Jesus. It wasn't real to them. It was just boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And then when they hit the universities or the colleges, freedom. Not freedom, bondage. Sex addicts. 70% of the 1,000 came from Christian evangelical homes. And that shows it. Principles or even worse, just rules are not good. The principle is like in Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's not a rule. It's a principle. You can't do it without God. You can only become pure when you're in His presence. He imparts His holiness to you. It's not sort out your life and get holy and then come. You're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. I was a stuffed up, messed up young man. And I just kept on coming to Jesus. I believe you love me, despite my stuff. And as I'm coming, woo, I feel better. Oh, I feel better. Oh, I feel, yes, I'm, my, my mindset's changing. I'm, I'm free. And I'm freer than I was before. The church is a hospital. Healthy people don't go to the hospital. Sick people do. So come as you are. Come as you are. Never feel, ooh, if these people know. If we know, we're going to love you. If we know, we're going to give you mercy. If we know, we're going to help you. I promise you. I promise you. We all, we all need Jesus. Don't settle for rules. Pursue presence. Let's say it. I'm gonna pursue God's presence. That's it. Absolutely transforms us. So search the scriptures to see who God is. So that's the first thing. As the Lord has said to me this week, build me a tabernacle. Build me a dwelling place. And it begins with you. You can. His Holy Spirit has been made available. You can. But you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Okay, so let's look at the second, second section of Psalm 84. Heart set on pilgrimage. Verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one, say each one. 
appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Selah means like pause in his presence. And think about that. Selah. So there's like three Selah, two Selah. So the, the whole psalm is broken down to these three components that I'm sharing about. So verse four, 5 again there. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. What is that? Let's go to Jerusalem. Go find Jesus in Jerusalem. Now you're going to find dead religion in Jerusalem. You're not going to find Jesus there. Jesus is in heaven. But he's released his spirit all over the earth. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. You can right now call upon the name of Jesus and he's going to be here through the Holy Spirit. So it says there, those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. What pilgrimage? Into his presence. A few months ago I shared about this message about the hallway to heaven. So if you want to imagine physically you are here. Let's say at the back of this hall is God's presence. So when you go on a pilgrimage, like when we start to worship like tonight, or when you start praying, you're physically still in the same place, but your spirit is walking into his presence. So you're walking closer to his presence. You're on a pilgrimage. You've set your heart on pilgrimage. God, I, I'm, I'm pursuing your presence. I want to go in there. And there's this hallway, but there are all these doors to the sides. And the devil will do everything to keep you out of God's presence because he knows you'll be changed, you'll be transformed in his presence. He knows you. He has no issue with you reading your little Bible and doing your rules. He knows religion kills. So he's no issue with that. But he has an issue with you getting into God's presence. So as you go into God's presence, the door's going to open the side and it's like, TV, movie, series, <laughs> or whatever. Or going down the door and something else opens up. Oh, I want to go spend some time with my buddies. Yeah. Yes, let's go. But you're missing out. And I'm not preaching to anyone specific at this moment, but if it convicts you, just receive it. <laughs> so as you're trying to get to, to the presence of God, there are all these doors of temptation opening up. And as you're going, the arrows come of accusation and condemnation and shame. Nope, you're not good enough, huh? Look at what you've done this week. Look at how bad you've been. Look at how stuffed up you are you, with your past. Come on, kidding me. You really think God loves you? And then we turn our backs and we walk away. Whole way to heaven. Pursue, setting your heart on pilgrimage. God, I'm, I'm pursuing your presence. As, as a Tuesday night, as we were worshiping just in God's presence, it was, we're not trying to have a prayer meeting. We're pursuing his presence. And then out of his presence we pray. Out of his presence we get strength, as that scripture says. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. How do you get strength? In his presence. The time for boring prayer meetings is over. It's like, oh, I'm watching the clock. Oh, another five minutes. No, it's like, God, you're here. I don't want to leave. I just want you. And then out of that place, out of his presence, we pray, Jesus, save, heal, deliver. Jesus, touch East London. Touch Southernwood. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. 
And then it says, as they passed through the valley of Baca, the word Baca means the valley of tears. So we all experience temptations at times. We all experience trials and even tragedy. The valley of tears. But those who pursue God's presence, they dig deeper. They dig deeper. They go deeper into the praise. They, they, they take the trial, the temptation, and even the tragedy, and they use it as their ally to launch themselves deeper into God. And they turn the valley of Baca into a spring of living waters. Isn't that beautiful? Turn it into a spring of living waters. I've experienced in my life that the most difficult most, most difficult times of my life, if I turned and brought my pain to God and turned to His presence, the power of God would manifest through my life like never before. But if I, f- I take my pain and my disappointment and my tragedy and I, and I blame God or I curse God or I turn away from God, I turn to, you know, like often what happens is like, you know, you're disappointed about something and you have pain. What do you want to medicate that pain? How? Pornography or other addictions. Whatever. You, you run away from God's presence and you try to lessen the pain through other things. But it doesn't help you, does it? Because afterwards, you sit with the same pain. The alcohol is not going to work. For a season, yes, it's going to medicate the pain. But at some point, you'll have to face the pain. You're disappointed. You're upset. You're afraid. You're freaked out. Take it into His presence. Dig deeper. Let's say it. I'm going to dig deeper. Let's say it. I'm going to take my pain into God's presence. Amen. This is the key. This is powerful. That's what makes us as Christians unstoppable. Whatever you throw at me, I'm going to go deeper into Jesus. Freak the devil out. And then they laugh as well. Oh, gives the devil nightmares. Don't know what to do with these people. They just keep being joyful. They just keep going deeper into God's presence. But in His presence, the temptations cannot get to us. In His presence, the pain is mended and healed. The only thing that will heal your soul, heal your heart, is His presence, His love. Then run other places. Run to Him. Run to church. Yeah, dead religion, it will kill you. This church will heal you. Because we believe in the power of the cross. We believe in the power of Jesus Christ to pay the price for every sin. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you've been through. The blood of Jesus is more powerful. And it says, Jesus said, I will always be with you. Do you know, do you know that God is not actually on aeroplanes? He's just on the earth. Do you know that? Because the scripture says, Lo, I'm, I'm, always, I'm with you always. Lo. Lo, I'm with you always. That's a joke. Lo is not actually low. It would mean like, focus. <laughs> okay, that was the side one for free. Lo, I'm with you always. But he said, I'm with you always. And it also says that it is by the blood of the lamb that we've been brought near. In other words, it's not your works. It's not like, if I do enough good things, then I qualify. You will never qualify through your own good works. 
Take that burden off. Take it off, cast it off. That's the guilt, that's dead religion. If you work hard enough, then you qualify. No, that's, the, that's what it, Christianity is so amazing. You did nothing and you don't deserve it. But Jesus died for you. And his blood washes you clean and he opens the door wide and you step into his presence. And your heavenly father's arms are wide open and he says, come my child, I love you. I always come back to this. I mean, if you've got a child, I always think about this as a dad. It doesn't matter what my son does. It doesn't matter. He can stuff up beyond the worst. Do you know what? I'm going to be there. You know, but somehow our, 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 our perspective of God has been distorted to be this angry, difficult guy that if you step on a line, I'm going to cop you. Don't come to me with that stuff. That's a lie. That's the devil wanting to accuse and condemn. Heart set on pilgrimage. Go into, go into his presence. And then verse 7, they go from strength to strength. The deeper you go into God's presence, strength to more strength, to more strength, to more strength, to more strength into his presence. Let's go for it. Let's pursue his presence. And then it says, pray, 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 but to receive. So the accusations, the enemy will come and he will accuse and condemn. And I want to expose those lies that the enemy is whispering in our ears. God loves you. Then the last bit. Psalm 84, verse 9 to 12. But the anointed, your anointed. Oh God, behold our shield. And look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, from those who walk in his presence. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Isn't that beautiful? Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in you. So look at verse 9 again. Oh God, behold our shield. How is he our shield? He literally wraps us up in his presence. Doesn't matter what's happening around you. You're having a presence party here. Chaos around you. But here, joy, peace. He's wrapped himself around you. He's wrapped you, you up in his presence. And then the next bit there, and you look upon the face of your anointed. So what, is, what does anointed mean? Anointed means you are empowered by the Holy Spirit so that the kingdom can come. Anointed. You want to be anointed? You want to be powerful? Step into his presence and you will be anointed. As I said, when I walked into that hospital, they could see, feel the atmosphere change because presence came with me and power as well. When God is present, things happen. And then it says, for a, thousand, for a day in your courts better than a thousand. So imagine this for a moment. The best thousand days of your life. Imagine you could now, unlimited finances to do whatever you wanted to do. Travel the world, five-star hotels, five course meals every day every you can do whatever you want to do the perfect holiday for a thousand days huh? who would like to do that bible says 
For one day of intimacy with Jesus is better than a thousand days. If you've truly tasted him. If you don't feel that, then you haven't tasted him. You haven't experienced him. I've experienced every time we go on a nice holiday, even expensive holidays, fancy places, etc. After the first day, it's nice, but Jesus, I'm missing you. I want your presence. I want to be in your presence. So the Bible clearly shows us it's, a, it's, it's deception to think that wonderful travels and holidays and material things will bring peace to your heart. It won't. Look at the most wealthiest people on the planet, Hollywood actors. Let's look at their lives. Let's look, look at destruct, destroyed relationships and drug addictions and chaos upon chaos upon chaos because money and power and mansions and things do not produce what only Jesus can produce. Peace. In his presence you find rest for your soul. It's the only place. This week, go pursue. Pursue his presence. That you may find rest for your soul. And then it says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Doorkeeper meaning, I'd rather live a simple life and be even just on the fringes of God's presence than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I have a whole bunch of stuff, but it's empty and dry. Another translation says, I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of God. So imagine this. It's not only about you receiving God's presence. It's about you being a gatekeeper. You are able to release God's presence into other people's lives. You can change and transform environments and other lives because of God's presence on you. This is our highest privilege. It's not just, I'm not just seeking God for myself. I'm seeking God for the sake of others. He is within us for ourselves. He is upon us for the sake of others, anointing. He is upon us for the sake of others. The true Christian can never settle for a selfish existence. Then you have not met with Jesus. Because when you meet with Jesus, your heart breaks for people. God, and nothing can hold you back to go further into his presence to, to, to release it into other people's lives. And as I said, when you have God's presence, you have everything. When you have everything but his presence, you have nothing. Amen. Let the stir in your heart. Let the stir. Let, let us as a church become thirsty for God. Let us as individuals become thirsty for God. Lord, we want to know you. We want to dwell in your presence. We are over just rules. Stuff the rules. Let's the, let the principles lead us into his presence. Amen.